Good afternoon, everybody. I'd like to welcome those who are, I haven't been here in a while. Justin, uh, Timothy's uh, college roommate is here. I'd like to welcome Justin. Actually, is this Justin's first time? Yeah. It's your first time? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, God orchestrated an amazing um, um, encounter with your older brother at the gym, and who knew that years later, Timothy and Justin would become uh, very close friends and roommates. So praise the Lord for his faithfulness. Uh, does anyone have, um, I'd like to welcome those who are joining online as well, and all the familiar faces. Uh, anyone have a, a word that you'd like to share, a Thanksgiving, a testimony? Maybe the college students there who will be returning soon. Maybe they have a reflection uh, from the summer. Um, anyone have uh, like anything they'd like to share to edify the body? Not today? Okay, that's fine. Let's read a couple verses from Hebrews. And then we'll start. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is a radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of, of his nature, and he upholds the universe, the word of his power. Okay, let's pray. Father, we surrender before you. We're here to hear from your voice and your voice alone. We pray that you would speak clearly to each of us wherever we are in our journey. We pray that uh, you would meet us and lift us up so that we can draw closer to you. We humble ourselves in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I had a conversation with my mom a couple weeks ago, and she watches this sermon, so she'll, uh, she'll see this. And she was uh, describing uh, the message that her pastor had just preached, and it was something along the lines of, does God speak? And he had a very different answer than the answer I would give. Um, so I've been asking the Lord for the last two weeks. Um, Who's right? <laughs> and can you, can you clarify uh, to, to many in the body of Christ who may be confused about that question? And so if I were to ask the congregation here, does God speak? Do we have an answer? Yes, yes, yes he speaks. And so I want to ask a follow-up question. How does he speak? So if I were to uh, give you a fill-in-the-blank, he speaks blank. How would you answer that question? How does he speak? He speaks blank. Anybody have an answer? No? In many ways. In many ways, yes. <laughs> in many ways, yes. Which is already a different answer than some in the body of Christ may give. The answer the Lord gave to me this week was he speaks biblically biblically and that's different than saying he speaks only through the Bible 
uh, it's, a, it's a slight nuance, but it's a very different understanding of who God is. If you say he speaks only through the Bible, uh, that is partially true. A lot of what God says, he speaks through the Bible. But if you were to be biblical, how does God speak in the Bible? It is in many ways, many ways. Some say he only speaks through the Bible, so I want to just address uh, those people in the body of Christ. It's almost like um, the 9-11 Commission report or the JFK assassination. If you, were to, if you were to read that report, it's like half of it or most of it is blacked out. And I wonder if some people are, are preaching through a redacted Bible and they just gloss over or ignore or cut out or put a black line over the verses that they think they don't apply to them today. And there are supernatural elements in the, body of, uh, in the Bible, of course, but they, they make arguments like, God doesn't do that anymore. And I don't know where, what Bible they're reading. In my Bible, God is speaking supernaturally in many ways all the time. If you're going through a Bible reading plan, like this is like, okay, if God speaks only through the Bible, you're going through your Bible reading plan, you're reading Exodus, and you read about Moses in Midian, and so you would try to apply that in, to your life. Okay, I'm in a quiet season, I should be faithful, I should be good to my spouse and my, my kids because this is a season where God is humbling me. Maybe in the future, uh, you turn the page of the Bible, maybe in the future I will uh, do something glorious for the kingdom, like leading an entire nation out of Egypt. And so you can, you can read that on one, uh, at one sitting of the Bible, but next month you happen to read a different part of the Bible. You're in Joshua now. And so now are, suddenly am I to be a conqueror and I should take territory for the Lord and we should, we should, we should be on social media trying to evangelize the whole world. Is, is God that random? in addressing to us, addressing each of his, uh, his children, that from one part of the Bible to another, it can be a radically different message, only one month's time pass in your Bible reading, but is God that random? I don't think he is. Of course, there are limitations of if you say it's only through the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell you what school to attend. The Bible doesn't tell you what major to take. The Bible doesn't tell you uh, where to, what city to live, uh, what job to take, what church to join, who to marry. There's so many questions and critical decisions of life that the Bible doesn't give you a specific answer. And so if the Bible is how God speaks, that means all the critical decisions of your life, the Bible is not addressing, so I just need to make it. So let's examine how God spoke to his people in the Bible. Uh, well, if, uh, let, me, let me backtrack a little bit. Some people who say God speaks only through the Bible, they, they tend to be very intellectual. They have many degrees and commentaries. And if you listen to the sermon, it sounds like uh, a, a seminary lecture. Be and clearly the person has done their homework. Uh, if, if that's how you read the Bible, um, it, it's, it's interesting how those people actually um, say things like, oh, the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. 
all the supernatural elements that we read in the scripture is for another era. It's for another, uh, it's for apostles, and there are no more apostles. They'll make some type of intellectual argument which you cannot find in scripture. But they're, ba they're limiting God, in my opinion, based on their lack of experience with God. And so they say, well, I never heard God audibly. I never met God visibly. I never, uh, he never gave me a dream. And so therefore, God must not do that anymore because I'm a pastor and I'm well-educated. So they, this theology emerges out of their lack of experience of God, not out of scripture because you cannot find one verse to defend that kind of position. So let's examine how God spoke um, directly and indirectly to his people. And I want to argue that he speaks in the exact same ways to his people today. For example, Mark 16, verse 17, And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Many in the body of Christ would never preach this, although it's the same great commission as Matthew 28, except this one is more supernatural. They won't preach it. And uh, they will never lay hands on the sick. They will just say, let me just pray for it from a distance. No, if you're in the body of Christ, you should say, no, lay hands on me. I'm sick. Can you lay hands on me? It says it in God's word. We should do it like this. Uh, but if, if you're too heady and you don't have a lot of experience with God, then you will have these weird teachings that are not scripturally based. Uh, and that's why I threw away all my commentaries because I realized that is, it is, it is uh, growing me in the wrong way, intellectually, but not experientially. There are certain practices we read about in Scripture that did cease, but for good reason. For example, the, there was Urim and Thummim, which were gemstones, black and white, dice, if you will, and people like Joshua used it to discern the will of God. Like, should I fight? Yes, no, black, white. Just, just use these, these stones. Uh, similarly, the 11 apostles in Acts chapter 1, when uh, they needed to replace Judas, they cast lots. It fell to Matthias. But why, does, why did this practice of Urim, Thummim, casting of lots, like flipping a coin, rolling dice, why did it stop? It stopped because in the very next chapter, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so you don't need to uh, do these weird things anymore because God speaks directly through the Spirit of God. One interesting thing I want to give you so that you know how to read the Bible is the Bible is very clear that nobody has seen God the Father. Nobody has seen God the Father. It is in Exodus 33, ver, uh, verses 20 to 23. Uh, Moses and God are going to have this kind of encounter, but God says, you can't see me and live. So let me just hide you in the cleft of a rock. Let my glory pass by. You're going to see me from the backside, but you cannot see me from the face, uh, face to face, or you will die. 
Jesus says the similar kind of a sentiment in the New Testament, John chapter 5, verse 37. He says, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. So nobody has ever seen God the Father. It says it also in 1 Timothy 6, verses 14 through 16. It speaks of the coming of the Lord Jesus. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, uh, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is blessed and the only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and everlasting power. Amen. And then 1 John 4, verse 12, no one has seen God at any time, God the Father. If that's the case, how are we reading about all of these encounters in the Old Testament? If, if God says in his word, nobody has ever seen me, that means every time the Lord appears, every time he shows up, every time somebody sees something in the Old Testament, it's not God the Father, it's God the Son. It's a, it's a Christophany, it's a pre-incarnate Christ. And I can go after example after example. Genesis 18, three men visit Abraham. One of them is the Lord Jesus, the other two are angels. Genesis 22, Brother Abraham preached last week. Isaac and Abraham the father are going up to Mount Moriah. The Lord appears to them, says, stop Abraham. Who is that Lord appearing? It's Jesus Christ. Joshua 5 13 through 15, the commander of the army of the Lord appears to Joshua. Joshua falls flat on his face. He worships. And the commander tells him, take off your sandals. Where you're standing is holy ground. Is this a mere angel, a commander, a general? Or is it none other than the Lord Jesus Christ? There is Daniel 3, his uh, three friends in the fiery furnace. There's a fourth man there with them, protecting them from the fires it is Jesus. And so Jesus is everywhere from the beginning to the end of Scripture. That's why he's called the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, everything in between. It is Jesus. Anytime the body of Christ, centuries ago, have, have, have seen the Lord, and, and you read about some kind of an exchange, it is not God the Father, it is God the Son. It is Jesus Christ appearing the same way that he appeared in Acts chapter 9 to Apostle Paul, a flash of light. So it's not just the eyewitness accounts while Jesus was living, not just those apostles, but even a future apostle who was not an eyewitness and a disciple of Jesus while he was living. He experienced Jesus supernaturally. And that's what all of us, that potential is available. You can meet Jesus supernaturally through a flash of light or through a dream or through some other way jesus he rose again and that means he's alive that means he speaks because he's the same yesterday today forever hebrews 13 verse 8 if i wrote a book and i called it principles for living by ray Choi, and i had various chapters and i wanted to uh, give this to my boys as good life wisdom. Chapter one would be knees over toes exercises. Uh, you need to do these to stay mobile even into your 50s. Then there, there'd be a chapter about distilled water. The water purity is very important for your longevity. I'd have another one that says, what does it mean to be a man? 
to, to work hard, to do things you don't like just because you want to provide, do, do without complaining, be faithful. All of that would be in that chapter. I'd have a chapter about the, the challenges and the benefits of being an entrepreneur. It is challenging, but there are huge benefits. Uh, I would talk about being a critical thinker. Don't just take somebody who speaks with authority because they have a degree. Don't even take my word for it. Be a critical thinker. Do research on your own and ask the Lord ultimately. And let's say I wrote that book next year. And, and everybody in my family is wondering what, you know, as they grow up into their 20s, they're starting to have their own families, and they're reading this book trying to discern what are these principles? Let me just meditate on them. And, and, and I don't quite understand this, this exercise called a split squat. And, and they're just meditating on that and thinking about it. And I'm just, a, I'm, just in, I'm just a few miles away, and all they have to do is visit me or call me on the phone, and I'll answer them. It's almost like that when it comes to the body of Christ, that we're reading a book as if Jesus is dead, just meditating on these principles, wondering, WWJD, what would Jesus do instead of realizing he's alive? I should ask him. This is just common sense to the body of Christ. Let's just ask Jesus because he's alive, and he will answer. God speaks primarily through his son. We read that in John 10. Jesus says he calls himself a shepherd. He calls all of us his sheep. And what is the quality of sheep? we hear the shepherd's voice. Hebrews 1 that I read, in the past eras, uh, God spoke through prophets primarily. Uh, but in these last days, and the, from the point that Jesus came 2,000 years ago and ascended, we entered into the last days. We've been in it for 2,000 plus years. In these last days, who, who, what is the primary way that God speaks to his people it says it clearly, Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2, he speaks primarily through his son. God also speaks through the spirit. It says in John 16, the spirit, when he comes, he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so if you, um, I'm sure that's happened to you as you read scripture, as you just evaluate your day, you're just checking in with the Lord at the end of a day, and then suddenly there's a conviction of sin. Oh, I did that. I said that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And there's, an, there's a, prior to that, you didn't think about it. You just went about your day. But in that moment, there was a conviction. That's how God, the Spirit, the Spirit is convicting you of your sins. Through the Spirit, God also guides you. In Acts chapter 16, so this is not just uh, how God spoke in, uh, to the prophets supernaturally. God spoke to Paul in the New Testament supernaturally in Acts 16. He is, he is faithfully uh, uh, doing missions in Asia, and he's trying to go to, to this town and this town and this town, and every town in Asia he goes to at some point, and we, we pick up in, in, the, in this, in this chapter, uh, chapter 16, the Spirit stops him and says, you cannot go there. And so he says, okay, I don't know why the Spirit said that. Let me go to another Asian city. And then he gets stopped again. Oh, I can't go there either. 
And then, he, and then as he's sleeping, he gets a vision. It's the Macedonian, Macedonian vision. A man from Macedonia, which is in Europe, says, come over here. We need help. And so that's how the missions of God that started with largely through Paul got rerouted through, a, through the Holy Spirit stopping him and then a dream, a vision in the night rerouting him to your Europe. God speaks through dreams and visions. We covered Acts 16. It's not just the book of Acts. It is the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation from beginning to end. That entire letter is a supernatural revelation of Jesus Christ and the things that will come in the future. In 1994, when I was a Christian only for a few months, I had an encounter with Jesus through a dream. It's my one and only I wish it happened more frequently, but it happened in 1994 when I saw Jesus. He came to me and he says, I'm gonna leave now, Ray. And I said, okay, Lord, but can, can you stay with me? And he says, don't worry, Ray, I will never leave, never forsake you. He took off his robe, he put it on me. It was such a powerful experience. And, and as a new believer, it really catapulted me to, to pursue the Lord. And, and no wonder God gave it to me early on so that I would, be, uh, I would be in this position today. Had I not had that kind of an experience at the early days of my Christian journey, I might not be here. But the Lord gave me that. It made me so hungry for him to know Jesus more. God speaks directly through his word through his son, through his spirit, through dreams and visions. God speaks indirectly through others. Saul, the king, had Samuel, the prophet. So a lot of what God spoke to uh, Saul was through, indirectly, through Samuel. David had an intimate relationship with the Lord, but he had moments when he was in sin, when he was blind. Even David needed a prophet like Nathan to call him out when he was in sin. Even right now, you, you have to consider, is Ray just shooting from the hips? Is he, just, is he just thinking and sharing from his own thoughts? Or is this God speaking to me indirectly through the preaching of his word? You have to make that call for yourself. And so when you ask people to pray for you about a decision, usually we, that's, that's where it ends. But if you really want to get better, at hearing from the Lord indirectly through others, you want to check in with them later and say, how did the Lord inspire you, brother, sister? I'm about to make this decision. We're praying to the same Lord. Hopefully it's all lining up. God speaks indirectly through others, also through circumstances. In Habakkuk 1, Habakkuk was complaining to God about the condition that the Israelites were in. There was violence uh, among the people, there was a lot of sin, iniquity. There was plundering, strife, contention. It's all in Habakkuk chapter 1. There's lawlessness. There is the, the wicked surrounding the righteous. There's a perversion of justice. And, and, and wrong decisions are being uh, um, handed down by a, a, a corrupt court. And you could almost... Uh, Pick those verses out of Habakkuk, put us, put us exactly in that same situation today. We could be saying the same is happening in America and our world today. 
And what was God's answer to Habakkuk? He said, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. They will be an instrument of judgment to get my people to return to me through a difficult, painful set of circumstances. So we have trials. We have tests. Like things, when it goes wrong, we should ask, why is this happening, Lord? God has a loud, he speaks loud and clear if you have ears to hear. During the COVID lockdown, God spoke volumes to, to the people of God who were asking, why is this happening, Lord? I got plenty of answers. I wonder how God spoke to you during that season. Through trials, through tests, through sickness, through just unexpected tragedy, God is speaking. He gets our attention. He, he, he makes it so that we, are, we will not keep going down this road toward destruction. We will turn around. This is how God speaks indirectly, oftentimes. If God is speaking all the time through various means, why can't I hear him? And I just want to end with a few reasons. Reason number one, I can't hear because perhaps there's some kind of blockage. Matthew 13 speaks of, uh, you know, Jesus is speaking to a crowd, and he speaks in parables, and then afterward the disciples ask him, why do you speak that way so opaquely? I don't understand what you said, and, and uh, I, I know you can speak very clearly. You're the best communicator I've ever, ever heard. Why do you speak that way and don't unpack the truth for the crowd? And Jesus says, it's to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah that some people, they will, they will be seeing and yet never see. They will be listening and yet never hear. They will be uh, trying to understand in their heart, but their hearts are dull. They will never perceive. And so could it be that we're blind, deaf, and dull of heart? That could be one reason. There's some type of a blockage we need to ask the Lord. What is blocking your voice? Why can't I hear you? A second reason is just pure immaturity. If you're a young infant, you can't remember that, that day because it's all a blur. But that whole year plus, your parents were speaking to you every single day. And yet you didn't perceive or understand a thing. It's just maybe sounds, but you can't understand, like, what is my parent trying to communicate? If you are a spiritual infant, God could be speaking to you every single day, and you will not perceive. It's a, it's a, the more mature you are, the more you will understand. And there's a, there's a verse to back this up, Hebrews 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are, full, uh, who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So many people in the body of Christ just are born, born again, perhaps, at some point. But for the next several decades, they remain a babe. And why, what is the reason for that? It's because they did not put into use, 
put practice this, this practice of discerning good from evil. And who determines that for, for us? Do we determine good and evil for ourselves? This is a well-educated congregation. Do we determine that for ourselves, good versus evil? No. That is the sin, the first sin that Adam and Eve fell into. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they thought they were wise in their own eyes that they could make the call for themselves. And even to this day, many, many people, even in the body of Christ, are living their Christian lives eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I've gotten trained through school. I have all this knowledge. Now I add biblical knowledge. Now I have YouTube, John Piper. I have all of these resources. I can actually make decisions for myself. I know the difference between something that's obviously good and obviously evil. I am smart enough. I am equipped because I have all of this knowledge. It is folly. If you live that way, it is foolishness. We cannot tell. We cannot tell. Something that looks good might be the path to hell. Something that might look evil. God may say, no, go this way. I have a lot to teach you. We can't determine for ourselves what is good from evil through our knowledge. Our knowledge just puffs us up. Our knowledge just makes it feel like, well, I don't need to ask God for all of these decisions because I'm wise. I'm knowledgeable. I, I have a science degree. I'm smart. I can, I can see, all the, I can see wh what's true and false. I, I see right through the, the lies of the media. I see it all. It's like I, I'm, I'm wise. Just I don't even need to ask the Lord. It is foolishness to live that way. And I think that this is the most uh, um, compelling reason, I think, why we don't hear the Lord. Deep down, we don't want to hear from the Lord. Deep down, we like eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It tastes sweet. It, it feels good to puff us up. And it says in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Jesus says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean that Jesus is the Lord? That means he calls the shots. That means he tells us where to go. He discerns for us good from evil. We bring every decision before him. That is what it means to su submit under the lordship of Christ. And who at the end is in jeopardy of not entering the kingdom of God, those who are wise in their own eyes. They did not ask the Lord. And they just made 99% of the decisions from their knowledge. In summary, God speaks primarily through his son. That includes the Bible, yes. But the Bible is a pointer to a living, resurrected Lord and you can still talk to him. He's alive. You can still call on his name. You can still pray to him. He will still sh shepherd and lead you. And if you have ears to hear, he will tell you which way to go. God speaks through the word, yes. But if we're saying, how does God speak? He speaks biblically. And if you, if you track how does God speak in the Bible, 
It's primarily through his son. It can be even to this day through a prophet, a priest, an evangelist, a pastor, through a dream. There's no verse that says no more dreams. No, there's no verse like that. Even the final book of the Bible, Revelation, is a vision. God speaks through visions even today. So God speaks biblically through his son, through his spirit, through dreams, through uh, visions, through other people in the body of Christ, even through secular people. Moses got counsel from, a, from his father-in-law who was not a believer. So even secular sources can be means through which God speaks. God has many means to speak to his people, not only the Bible. God speaks biblically as a world of difference. And God speaks indirectly through his people, even secular people, non-believers. God speaks indirectly also through circumstance, especially if we're hard of hearing. God will have to use uh, more severe means to get our attention. Okay, let's pray. Father, forgive us for our immaturity and our failure to put into practice that we are not the final judge of good between evil. Forgive us for continuing to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We trust ourselves way too much. Forgive us that we've lost many opportunities in life to practice discernment in the right way to bring it before the Lord Jesus to speak. Forgive us for allowing our own voice to drown out the voice of God. We can't hear you because our voice is too strong. It's too loud. We have not stilled ourselves to know that you are Lord. Forgive us, because deep down we want to be the Lord of our own lives. Holy Spirit, we bring ourselves before you. We pray that you would help us to identify all the different blockages, the ways in which we're blind still and deaf still and dull of heart. Help us to slow down in moments throughout the day to humble our own voice and our own thoughts, to give room for your voice and your thoughts. We thank you that in Romans 12, verse 2, you tell us that the mind is the very organ that receives the thoughts of God. What an amazing truth that is revealed in the, in the Greek. We did not know that you speak to us in our thoughts. Forgive us, our thoughts are too loud. We're too full of our own thoughts, our own ideas. No wonder we can't hear you. We humble ourselves in this moment. We pray that you would speak. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. After you've spent some time examining your heart before the Lord and asking the Holy Spirit to convict you of any blockages, the Lord's Supper will be here. If he, if he allows you, please partake with the body of Christ.